Welcome to the I-29 MUU Dairy Podcast. I-29 MUU University is a consortium of land-grant universities in Minnesota, Iowa, South Dakota, and Nebraska. This podcast covers timely news, information, and research for today's dairy industry. On this episode of the I-29 MUU University Podcast, we'll be discussing the Dairy Industries Farmer Assuring Responsible Management Program, or more likely known as the Farm Program to most listeners. Hi, my name is Jim Salfer with a Minnesota Extension Dairy Educator, and co-hosting today with me is Kim Clark, and she's a Dairy Extension Educator from the University of Nebraska. Welcome, Kim. Hello, everyone. Thanks for the introduction, Jim. And we also have a guest with us today, Heidi Carroll. Heidi is the South Dakota State University Extension Livestock Stewardship Field Specialist and also the South Dakota Beef Quality Assurance Coordinator. And Heidi and I collaborate frequently on quality assurance specifically related to dairy, but uh, more specifically the farm program. And so Heidi, you want to give us a little bit more about quality assurance and maybe some of the quality assurance programs that are available in the dairy industry? Thanks for having me on today. Um, the unique thing about my position in, in SDSU Extension is it is multi-species, and so I get to kind of be involved in all of the species quality assurance programs with my role in livestock stewardship. A lot of my time is focused on the Beef Quality Assurance Program, or BQA. However, on the dairy side, we focus on the Farmers Assuring Responsible Management Program, or the National Dairy Farm Program. And so a lot of the farm and species raised for food production have a quality assurance program for their on-farm practices. Uh, That involves a lot of different things from taking care of the animals giving them the appropriate vaccinations, antibiotic stewardship, as well as humane handling and employee training. So these quality assurance programs have been around for uh, over 30 years. And so a lot of them have evolved over time. And so now we see a little bit of changes and more focus here in the food industries when it comes to promoting that for all of the food products that our animals provide for us. So I've got a question. I work with farmers. So Jim is a farmer out here and I'm saying, you know, I've taken good care of my animals for decades. Why do I have to go through this? This is just one more hassle. I'm not getting paid anymore for my milk. So why do we even have a farm program when I think most farmers historically have taken really good care of their animals? You're absolutely right, Jim. That's probably the number one question producers always ask is, well, why do I have to do this? Consumers today have not always grown up on the farm um, as much as they have in the past. There's about 2% of our population actually raising our food that is shipped across our country, shipped and exported as well. And our consumers have a really big interest in how the animals are cared for, what those animals are fed, and all of the different things when it comes for those consumers to make a purchasing decision. It's not always which one's the cheapest. Sometimes it is which one is the one that I want to support today in terms of their purchasing decisions. And so that's where the quality assurance programs come in is giving that assurance to our customers that every single food product raised and every producer is using these specific husbandry practices to give that confidence to the consumers who are not doing the chores on a day-to-day basis. And I'll just add to that, as it's not the consumer talking directly to the dairy farmer, it's the consumers that are voicing their concerns 
and what they want of the industry to to the dairy processors. So the processors that are making the cheese, ice creams, processing fluid milk, those are the group that's hearing from the consumers. And then it's the processors and the in the cooperatives that are in turn talking to the dairy producers. And that's really how the whole National Dairy Farm Program started, is um, it's a group of processors and cooperatives that came together and said, the consumers are saying they wanna know that animals are raised with the utmost care and that husbandry practices align with the values that we have as consumers. And that's how this whole program started. So it's, it's really consumer driven. I suppose it's a little, little, little bit like other companies now being socially responsible. You'll see Target, you'll see McDonald's, you'll see a lot of companies outside of even the food companies are wanting to be responsible corporate citizens, or at least that's part of their marketing ploy. So I, I suppose you can kind of think of it a little bit as, are, are you two saying this is kind of a social license to be in the business, that the processors and the consumers kind of from ultimately driven by the consumers are saying, we really want to know that the animals that are raised and produce our milk are well taken care of. That's exactly what it is. And, and like you mentioned, Jim, it's not only on the dairy side, it's in all of the livestock side. So all of the livestock species, but we also see it in, in corporations. Um, in other corporations, like you mentioned, Target and Walmart, they've all changed their practices. They've all changed their messaging, and that's all based on consumer feedback. And so uh, much of what we see today is, is consumer-focused and consumer-driven. It would be wrong for us to say that it's only the dairy industry that the Quality Assurance Program is focused on, but in reality, it's everything as a whole that the consumer touches and has the ability to purchase that drives all of the changes that are incorporated. Kim and Heidi, can you guys kind of give an overview of the farm program? And maybe you've been doing that, um, but talk a little bit more about the four pillars that are incorporated into the farm program. Absolutely, Jim. And I think that's important to know when it comes to the the dairy farm program, it does focus on four areas. Sometimes they're referred to as silos or pillars. And those four include antibiotic stewardship. That was kind of one of the leading ones, ensuring our food products are safe. And after antibiotic stewardship, there was the focus on animal care. And that was kind of the main on-farm evaluation program that exists. The other two pillars are environmental stewardship and the newest is workforce development. So those four, antibiotic stewardship and animal care, environmental stewardship, and workforce development truly make up the full farm program. Within each of those, there's different opportunities for those co-ops and processors to participate for what they need to meet their corporate and their policies or meet those customers' needs. And that's where different farms may be participating in um, the animal care evaluation. Some of them may now be also working to participate on the environmental stewardship evaluation. And all of our farms Farms have a huge focus on ensuring their employees are training and ensuring the employee safety during all of the tasks because our farms are dangerous places. These animals are big, the equipment is big, and so employee safety truly is important too. Within the animal care pillar, you do see a little bit of the antibiotic stewardship, environmental stewardship, workforce development as part of the evaluation for the animal care pillar. Uh, so it's nice that there is some overlap and interaction between the four different pillars. As you mentioned, that 
processors can um, enroll or participate in each of the different pillars. But the animal care pillar is probably the most prominently used pillar. And I think we're over 90% of co-ops and processors that are in the animal care pillar or program. And I think we're close to, is it 99% of our milk supply in the United States is enrolled in the animal care program? Yeah, 98, 99% is where we've been for, I think, the last three years. And so it's been really great participation to give that assurance to all of the milk going around our country. I know this has been an evolving program and we've had different versions of it. Can you talk a little bit maybe about the uh, evolvement of that and then where we're at with kind of which version we're on and what are some of the latest updates? I think farmers may, may know some of this, but what are some of the latest updates to the specifically the animal care pillar and what are some of the practices farms need to implement? So I can kind of give a little overview of, of the farm program. So we are currently in version four. So each version of the farm program is for three years. So given that we're in version four, if you do the math, you know, we're, the farm program has been around over 10 years now. So um, the first program started um, version one started out with uh, some standards. The, the farm program uses the term standards, so different benchmarks to meet. And so now we're currently in version four and um, each version progresses amongst itself and adds new standards so the farm can continue to make improvements uh, with each version of the farm program. And for most of our farms that have been enrolled in the program, they know from version three to version four, there's actually some pretty significant changes. And I'll, Heidi, I'll let you maybe touch on some of those changes. You're better versed than I am. Yeah, so within version four in the animal care program in general, which is that true cornerstone to the farm program, the best practices farmers follow are for every cow, every calf on their dairy farm. They go through and have an on-farm assessment done by trained evaluators, and they also have the opportunity to participate in third-party verification by a qualified third party. And so with, what that means is, as Kim was saying, they, they have some standards to implement in order to meet those qualifications. Within version four, we saw uh, some changes to emphasizing the veterinary client patient relationship and having the veterinarian more involved with some of the uh, review of the records, review of the herd health plan, and, and documenting that process specifically. Sometimes the, the changes really only revolve around some addition of paperwork and our farmers get a little frustrated with that and it's understandably so, um, but that really does give the, the assurance that that task was done. Another change that we saw was around some of the employee training whether it be family or non-family employees and just the expectation to have onboarding training in the tasks that they're responsible for when it comes to animal care tasks, may it be feeding or milking or taking care of calves, as, as well as that annual training and just kind of that retraining as needed. And that is one of the workforce development pillars. That's how that pillar is incorporated within the animal care program. So just a little section there on, on workforce development. But again, that is a that is a separate pillar that has more details and involvement for workforce development. Exactly right, Kim. 
And another area of focus has always been good treatment records and ensuring that those are up to date, maintained and available. Uh, and just, again, using those treatment records for management decisions and in, in those conversations with veterinarians. Uh, a little changes came about on adding a few specific standard operating protocols or essentially some written directions for employees when it came to the herd health plan. So we saw some more clarification around having a protocol for how pre-weaned calves were taken care of. And so sometimes those standards are updated just to give some more clarity around an area that could use some improvement. Because that's truly what these programs are all about, continuous improvement. Nothing stays the same. And so we really want to make sure that we use data, we use research and, and technologies to the best of our abilities. And, and sometimes that's how we can improve is ensuring that we're applying that to these new standards as well. And as we look at each version of the farm program, especially with this version, one thing I've noticed from visiting farms and helping them with some of their standard operating procedures and protocols is what they have written down within their standard operating procedure is not necessarily what the employees are doing or performing. And this version of the program really focuses on making sure that the standard operating procedure the farm has in place is what is being implemented by the employee. And the farm program does not dictate how your standard, what needs to be in your standard operating procedure exactly. That's still up to the farm to develop their standard operating procedures that works for them. But what the farm program does is ensures that the SOP that the farm has is what is being followed by the employees. And I've been on many farms where they have not matched. And so that's what the evaluator for the farm program is going to be observing and looking for is making sure that the procedures are being followed as intended by, by the farm. So uh, many of our smaller farms have historically never had SOPs. Are they required? So f say it's mostly family labor, maybe some milkers that might be hired. So a medium or small size farm. Is there, number one, are they required to have SOPs? And if, if they are, is there a place they can get help to develop those SOPs? Where would you go to, to develop those? Great question, Jim. That's definitely one of the common questions again. The farm program, animal care program, applies regardless of farm size, whether it's hired labor or family labor. So the answer is yes. The expectations are laid out to be exactly the same for what they need to document, the written SOPs. And I hear a lot of challenges around that. I'm the only one doing chores or my spouse and I are the only one doing chores. We don't need it written down. The importance of having it written down is what if somebody gets hurt? What if somebody needs to go on vacation or attend a family wedding and somebody else is going to be responsible for chores? And so taking the time to really simply write out the steps of a process, yes, we don't like to do it, but that is what ensures the consistency in our cows crave consistency. And that is how we minimize the chance of health issues arising as well. So yes, the farm program, we need to have SOPs for whether it's a family owned small farm or whether it's a 100% hired labor large farm, we need to have those in place and have the same documentation there. 
I would agree with you, Heidi. Um, in a previous life or when I was younger and our children were in high school, we would do chores for a fair number of dairy farmers. And I think they sort of assume, you know, I grew up on a farm, but all farms operate differently. And it was clearly very beneficial. And we do a, we did a much better job if the farm would clearly dictate why or what needed to be done because you know this wrench needs to turn that way and the silo and loader button needs to go this way so i would just like to echo what you're saying heidi even on small farms when you're on vacation you have somebody come in i think it's really valuable to sit down and really think through how and why you do the things you do and actually write that down so as you mentioned it wouldn't have to be a vacation either it could just be an emergency uh, or you're going to a wedding or something like that where you want a couple of milkings off so that's a really good point heidi um, one other thing I'd like to go back to that I hear um, fairly often from farmers is, who's making these rules? I say, well, so are these consumers in New York City or in Omaha or in Minneapolis, people that don't even know how to spell cow? Are they the people that are coming up with these standards? Or uh, help me understand that. I'll let Kim answer a little bit. And before she responds, I do want to say more information on the writing SOPs, um, templates, those do exist, as well as the information that you're asking about, Jim, on, on who's involved in this program on kind of an advisory board level. That website is nationaldairyfarm.com. And so if the farmer just wants to know more about the program, who's involved, which co-ops or brands or processors are involved, who's on that advisory board or the staff working on the farm program, that can all be found there on the nationaldairyfarm.com. The farm program put a lot of effort into determining how these decisions are going to be made. And so they do have a full board that looks at each version of the farm program and makes changes. And this board consists of dairy producers, cooperatives, processors, and other industry partners. And this group comes together to really evaluate each version of the farm program. So although we're on version four of the farm program now, this group is already looking at version five. You know, what's working really well? How can we continue to make improvements? How can we continue to become better within the dairy industry? So this group is meeting regularly. Where can we take our standards to the next level? And so that's important to keep in mind. Although we may not as dairy producers, I've heard a lot of grumblings. Well, why did we get rid of this? Why are we doing this? It doesn't make sense. The people making decisions don't work on a dairy farm, have never worked on a dairy farm. Well, in reality, it, it, it's your fellow dairy producers, veterinarians, industry partners that are helping to make these decisions. And as they make changes for the next version of the farm program, some of those are even driven by the consumer. We talked about the consumers earlier and how they're really driving for where does our food come from. We want to know it's the animal husbandry is to the highest standards possible, that livestock producers and dairy producers are continuously making improvements for their animals, for their farm. And really, if you think about it, these improvements that are made, you're probably seeing healthier animals, you're probably seeing higher milk production, even higher milk components. So it's not just about the consumers, you're also seeing better animal care as a result, which at the bottom line should improve your profitability as well. 
what are the consequences if I decide I don't like one of the standards? And I just say, you know, I get it. It's there. I'm going to ignore it. You know, are there any consequences from a program standpoint or from a processor standpoint? You know, Jim, that's actually something that we hear frequently. If there's a producer that doesn't like a standard or doesn't want to make a, a practice change, they just, they try to ignore it. But the farm program does have some actions in place. So continuous improvement does continue to happen. Depending on what the standard of practice may be, the evaluator will work with the dairy and give them up to three years to make changes, to make those continuous improvements. Some of those standards, such as tail docking, so tail docking was eliminated in version three, but if an evaluator would visit a dairy and see that tail docking is still happening, they're going to be issued an immediate action plan. So that means the dairy immediately has to stop tail docking. The evaluator will follow up within the next couple of days to verify that tail docking has stopped. And if it hasn't, then the cooperative or processor can stop taking milk from the dairy. That's just a quick summary. There's a little bit more involved in it, but there are different practices in place to help the dairy continuously make improvements. And it's really up to the evaluator to work with the dairy to make sure that those actions are continuing to make improvements. And so if a dairy producer does not want to follow a standard, then the processor can take action. Whether it's halting their milk pickup, dropping them as a client, there are different practices in place. Anything you want to add to that, Heidi? There's always uh, so much more behind the scene that goes on and details to the program. But like you said, Kim, it is important that farmers work with their evaluator. And so if there is an issue, farmers also need to remember this is one snapshot in time. Yes, you take preparation before the evaluator comes out to do an animal care evaluation. And it really is just one snapshot. How are we doing today? And so you can have a bad day and that's fine. These corrective actions, as they're called within the, the program, have time frames for them needing to be resolved. And so then the evaluator works directly with the, the farmer to correct whatever the issue might have been. Maybe you forgot to have a veterinarian sign a document. So it's just a simple, I need to get my signatures done. Uh, or maybe it kind of goes back to what Kim said earlier, where maybe one of the employees was doing something differently than what the written protocol said. So those types of things happen. And then the evaluator works with those deadlines and the farmer to ensure that they can get it corrected, hence the name of a corrective action plan. And within the program, the thing to remember is those evaluators are representatives to those co-ops or those processors, and the farmer probably already knows them and has interacted with them a lot. So it's not something to be intimidated about. It really needs to be a, a two-way communication before the evaluation day ask what the evaluator is going to do. If, if the farmer is not as familiar or is concerned about something, have that conversation. And so that really helps the farm prepare and feel comfortable with the whole process because having somebody out and with the clipboard and checking things, it can be intimidating to people. And it really is good to make sure they understand what is being scored, why it's being scored. If something does get a corrective action, talk about why and how we're going to fix it and when I need to have it fixed by. 
one of the big questions I get is, well, what happens if I don't pass the farm evaluation? And that's a good point. The farm program is not a pass-fail. It is a continuous improvement program. So when an evaluator comes out, they are, as Heidi mentioned, it's a snapshot in time. So what's currently happening, and that evaluator is there to help the dairy producers make improvements. An evaluator is doing an evaluation, not an audit. And I think that's something to keep in mind about the farm program is it's not an audit program, it's an evaluation. So how is the dairy farm doing currently? How do you, they, how does the dairy farm compare to the current standards of the farm program? And where can we continuously make improvements? So we spent a lot of time talking about the farm program. I was trying to think, are there other quality assurance programs available for dairy producers? Yeah, before we transition to that one, I wanted to just make sure producers were also aware that there is the opportunity to provide feedback on an evaluation experience. And so, Jim, you kind of alluded to sometimes producers maybe didn't have a great experience or they they weren't aware of something. Within the nationaldairyfarm.com, if you would go to nationaldairyfarm.com slash evaluation feedback, any producer can provide information of having a good experience, having a bad experience, things that they'd like to see changed. Yes, those advisory boards exist, but this is another way for every farmer's voice to be heard. And so every farmer should be aware that they have that opportunity available to submit feedback on the the animal care evaluation process. Because again, every three years we come out with a new version. And so that feedback is going to be taken to those advisory boards and those committees for consideration. Sorry to not directly answer your question, but I feel that's an important thing that some producers may not be aware of. I'll just add even more to that is uh, you don't have to only only communicate with your evaluator when it's time for your evaluation. They're there all the time. So call them up, ask them questions. If you're trying to develop a new standard operating procedure, give them a call, ask What else can we look at? What else can we add within this standard operating procedure? They're there to help you. They want to help you make improvements as well. So your question about what other quality assurance programs exist or maybe that dairy producers might also want to be aware of, the National Dairy Farm Program applies to the dairy site, the parlor site. And so any animals that are on that site or essentially kind of within 10 miles of that site, if they have some calves or growing off site, would be within that dairy farm evaluation. Dairy farmers may also want to consider participating in the Beef Quality Assurance Program if their animals are raised on the same site as the dairy and some of them are being fed out as finished beef animals, they would get a BQA equivalent. So they could use their animal care evaluation and that would be recognized as a BQA certification. So if a beef processor or beef buyer was saying, hey, I need BQA certification. Um, That producer could say, yep, our program is recognized as a BQA equivalent. Here's my most recent uh, evaluation. And those animals that were cared for underneath that same umbrella and that evaluation would be recognized as BQA equivalent animals. That seems very confusing. Now, if other animals are raised off-site under different management and and those calves are shipped off of a dairy and are fed out at a different location, then that 
the person doing the care of the calves and growing them as beef animals would likely want to get beef quality assurance certified and implement those similar practices as far as SOPs and, and animal care practices under the beef quality assurance program. Now, if a dairy producer is raising dairy beef on their farm, do they need the BQA since they would, let's say they are selling those dairy beef steers at harvest? They would not. They wouldn't be able to use their last uh, most current farm animal care program and anything that is newer than version three is considered a beef quality assurance equivalent and provide that information to the buyer or the packer asking for that verification. The one thing I always remind producers though is you still want to create the SOPs then for those beef animals. Within the farm program, the focus is on young calves, the focus is on the, the milking herd. It's not the focus on those animals being fed out for beef production. So take the initiative, add those extra SOPs, train the employees if those are different employees to ensure that consistency and that food safety uh, on the farm. So those are very similar practices, but the animal care evaluation doesn't ask for the verification that those practices are implemented. Heidi and Jim, I think there's some cooperatives, and maybe you have some in your areas, that have developed their own quality assurance program for them. So I think of some processors or one of the processors in Nebraska that developed their own quality assurance standards. Within those quality assurance standards, they have the farm program incorporated, but they have additional measurements for producers. Is that common? You know, I'm not familiar with any in Minnesota. There's a couple that kind of have a few tweaks, but none that I know of that have deviated very far off of that. But I do think we are going to see more of that in the future, especially as processors try to add value. And I think sometimes it's a, it's a good point, Kim. I think when sometimes your processors are asking you to do this, they're trying to gain a competitive advantage in the marketplace. Now, hopefully that extra value they're having is getting down to you in a milk check standpoint. But I think as an ag industry, and this is not a lot to do with the farm program, but I think as an ag industry, we really do need to listen to consumers a lot more, produce what they want, and then charge as much as we can for it instead of continually saying, we want to rush to the bottom and we brag about how cheap our milk is or how cheap our cheese is. You know, it's a low cost system. I think we want to give people what they want and then we want to charge as much as we can. And, and I see maybe the farm program fitting in that. Consumers are demanding this. Yes, we will give it to you. And hopefully long-term, it'll either maintain market share, so give us a social license, and or add to the value of our milk, which ultimately, hopefully, trickles down into your milk check. You, you know, Jim, I, I think I half agree with you in, in the respect that um, a lot of companies and processors do try to find add value, but I the farm program is developed to really be a national program. It is also internationally recognized. And so the goal truly is for companies to utilize this kind of as that benchmark program and not necessarily recreate this within their own companies. However, what I do see happening, Kim, and kind of what you were talking about is maybe a company wants to focus on something different. So they say, I'm going to implement the farm program with my farms. However, I might create a brand line 
or a marketing program that wants to focus on something else in addition to that. And so I've started to see that even on the dairy side, I see that a little bit on the beef side where yes, they, they utilize this standard program and this national program, but they're still adding something to it as far as an expectation or a standard for the on-farm implementation. Now on on the hog side, when the Port Quality Assurance Program came out and they started doing on-farm assessments, packers started creating their own programs left and right, and farmers were being audited, not just assessed, but audited multiple times to sell to multiple packers. And that's really where the industry as a whole stepped back and said, this is unrealistic. It's not good for biosecurity of the animals, and we need one program. And so the Common Swine Industry Audit was created. Dairy looked at that program and said, you know, we need to do something similar. We can't have every co-op and processor developing their own standards. And that's how the farm program started. But going back, adding to what you and Jim were saying, co-ops and processors are incorporating or has the farm program as their base quality assurance, but adding a couple additional standards to that so they can brand for their company. And it's a marketing edge. It's a marketing tool that way. But as you mentioned, Heidi, the farm program is the baseline for all of these processors and cooperatives. Absolutely right. And that can be the very confusing part, even in my own role, uh, trying to keep the differences between the species quality assurance straight, but then acknowledging some of those branding standards and then realizing that is not the quality assurance program itself asking for that. And so some of those things might be pasture raised or non-GMO things being spun onto the quality assurance program. Those are not factors within the standards of the dairy farm program or the other quality assurance programs. Those are marketing or branding type standards being added to the base quality program. Well, thanks, Jim and Heidi, for joining us today. Um, just kind of a wrap up, there are the Dairy Quality Assurance Program that processors and cooperatives turn to is the National Dairy Farm Program. Within that program, there are four pillars that are used, and that's antibiotic stewardship, animal care, environmental stewardship, and workforce development. And it's the animal care pillar that we focus on within the dairy industry. You know, we have 98, 99% of our milk supply that's enrolled in the animal care program as part of the farm program. And so we just ask that dairy producers continue to make improvements and that they look at the farm program as a tool to make continuous improvements. The new versions that the farm program rolls out every three years. It was your fellow dairy producers, veterinarians, industry partners, processors, cooperatives that put a lot of time and effort into making continuous improvements for the dairy industry overall. That's right, Kim. And the one thing that maybe we, we didn't get out there for producers to remember too is this year has thrown a curveball to everybody and so the one change to the dairy farm program was actually the extension of this version four for one additional year instead of that three-year cycle like you were mentioning uh, so the version four standards will be in effect till December 31st of 2023 and then we will see version five rolling out after that so producers maybe didn't see their evaluators yet this year because they weren't doing on farm assessments uh, due to, to some of the COVID restrictions. So do keep in mind that version four will be in effect for December 31st, 2023. 
for more information on the farm program, to download templates for standard operating procedures, to find videos for workforce development, and just more information about the National Dairy Farm Program, you can visit nationaldairyfarm.com. I'd just like to thank everybody for joining us on this I-29U Dairy Podcast and make sure you check the episode notes when you download for links to additional resources and also information from our sponsors. Thanks, Kim and Heidi. This was really informative. Thanks for having me. Thanks, everyone. I-29 MooU is an equal opportunity provider for the full non-discrimination statement or accommodation inquiries go to extension.iastate.edu forward slash diversity forward slash ext.